Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is CBS Eye on the World. I'm John Batchelor. And it's Hotel Mars with David Livingston, Dr. Space of the Space Show, my colleague and co-pilot. We are going into our time machine back six to 1650 BCE, 3,600 years ago, on the eastern side of the Jordan River, north of the Dead Sea. We welcome Malcolm LeCompte. Malcolm at one, is retired from the Center of Excellence in Remote Sensing Education and Research at Elizabeth State University in North Carolina. He's now a member of the Comet Research Group. You can find it at cometresearch.org. Most importantly, Malcolm is part of a team that have identified a strange event that happened at this moment in time that has left evidence behind that might be suggestive of stories and Bibles, but nonetheless, this is an event back then that could happen in any moment. Malcolm, a very good evening to you. A cosmic airburst over Tel al-Hammam. Where is, what happened that day, and what was on Tel al-Hammam that was damaged or destroyed? Good evening to you. Well, good evening to you as well. Uh, good to be here and good to be talking to you. Uh, it was a city, I would say... Uh, a quite large city for the Middle Bronze Age, probably as large as Troy, which was contemporary, uh, and many other cities in the southern Levant. But, but Tel Hamam was apparently the largest of those cities. Uh, population interior to the, uh, the city was probably something on the order of 10,000 people and uh, probably many more surrounding in uh, agricultural communities, uh, smaller communities. So this was a significant city. And, uh, and on that day, apparently coming in from the... Uh, from the southwest uh, was a rather large bolide, we call them, that exploded uh, somewhere above that uh, that area and essentially obliterated the uh, the landscape. Uh, the city walls were blown down. The, the people were apparently, most of them, I would guess, were instantaneously killed and uh, further afield fire started, very much like the Tunguska event of 1908. I need a definition. Bolide. What is that, Malcolm? Uh, it's just a large meteorite uh, of the order of a few meters in size, maybe uh, maybe even a little bit less. But they typically uh, create a rather large uh, full moon brightness level uh, burst in the air when they when they uh, come into the atmosphere. So and, this was a big one. And it forces the air down upon the city. What actually destroyed the city once the bolide hit the atmosphere? Did the bolide get through the atmosphere to hit the ground? It got low enough to uh, to be significantly damaging to the surroundings, the, the surface. Uh, the bolide itself was probably about half the, uh, the, the length of a football field or the width of a soccer field, and uh, quite heavy, I'm sure. And... Uh, the air pressure and friction would have heated it to the point where it could no longer hold itself together and essentially burst apart. And in that burst, it would have started a kind of a perfect storm of destructive uh, 
uh, circumstances. The first would be the brightness of the of the, uh, the fireball, which would have been very similar to the sun, except that, you know a matter of kilometers away instead of a 150 kilo- million kilometers away. So you're going to be burning things instantaneously, setting them afire. And then there's a shock wave uh, that occurs from that burst, which is uh, at a at a very high velocity and uh, probably reached Tel Hamam at about sonic velocities strong enough to blow the wall, much much higher than any tornado we've ever experienced so able to blow blow walls down and and just tear apart people um, and and then of course the uh, whatever debris came came with it that was uh, excavated from the what we call the epicenter or the subburst point uh, would have washed over the city in a in a hot kind of similar to maybe a uh, uh, the flow of a volcano event, a volcanic event. The, well, there's a name for it. I'm having a senior moment. Can't remember the name, but uh, essentially a, a, a mass of, of superheated steam, debris, anything that was that was excavated by the by the plasma that resulted from the fireball that hit the earth would have excavated material and and sent that toward the city, uh, roughly in the direction that the fireball was coming. David, you have a question for Matt. Um, do you, um, in your excavations, have you found what you think might have been pieces of the asteroid, or uh, how do you come up with the conclusion that, that this happened? What, what is the evidence for it? Well, the temperatures that we're witnessing in terms of melted materials that have melting points that far exceed anything that we would encounter at that time. I mean, we can reach them with industrial processes today, although they're still quite high, even today. But uh, getting over about 1,400 C Celsius is very difficult, especially at that time. Uh, and we find a lot of material that's, that's heated much higher than that uh, into the 2000s. And uh, that's the key indicator. That was our first big indicator was seeing material, uh, minerals, and, and the elements that were melted. Now, some of those elements that are melted, iridium, platinum, those are typically associated with extraterrestrial events, but there is there is a, a distractor there uh, that could have some of that could have resulted from trace elements uh, if there was uh, perhaps gold fleck paint on the walls and and the walls were destroyed. Some of that dust that was embedded in the paint uh, contaminated the area. So we're, we believe we've got some extraterrestrial material, but there's no certainty to that. We just have the temperatures, and we also have something called shocked quartz and uh, and diamonds, uh, very, very small uh, pre-diamond structures, if you will. They're, they're like par- pieces of diamonds that uh, are the result of high heating and uh, and compression of, uh, of carbon-rich material. And, of course, humans and vegetation would be the carbon-rich material that would be the source of that. If I understand the report correctly, it not only destroyed the city, but left the region without an ability to grow anything for hundreds of years. Is that correct, Malcolm? That, that is correct. For, for about up to seven centuries uh, is the estimate. Uh, I'd say anywhere from four or five to seven centuries is probably reasonable. And uh, it looks like there's a salt layer that's in the soil that's contemporary to the 
the day of the the date of the of the destruction. Now, how that salt got there is a bit of a mystery. Uh, I mean, we've hypothesized that perhaps the detonation was over the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea was closer to Tel Alman than it is today. That's a possibility, I suppose, but we really don't know how that mechanism worked. But nevertheless, the salt in the soil would have made it toxic to anything uh, growing in the, in the uh, the valley for for some time until it was washed out. David. What uh, continued evidence are you looking for? Because I understand you're doing new digs and exploring new parts of the area. So what are you looking for, and are you still working to confirm the hypothesis? Uh, I think the, the hypothesis is on pretty solid ground. The, uh, but there's continued work to be done just because we really want to know, understand what the uh, the magnitude of the event was, if we can deduce uh, – it's, it's energy yield that would would be helpful because to me the, the the significance of the event is not the history it's the future it's how destructive are these events because they will occur these these will these events will occur in the future uh, they're not that rare uh, it may be anywhere from a few centuries to to a thousand or so years but still that's on a geologic time scale that's that's very rapid very very frequent but if they were to occur over a city it'd be catastrophic even today uh, effectively a nuclear bomb over the city would would uh, exhibit similar results but the the work that we want to do now is we believe we may have found a crater and uh, and that would kind of change the uh, the calculus of, of how how uh, much energy was released at the time, how much material. Uh, but we have to test that. We have to go there, collect samples, uh, do whatever we can to, uh, to understand if there's anything remaining of the impactor. Um, so that's a major uh, task to be done. And then the other thing that I think is very important to do is, is to collect samples from further afield. We don't know what the full extent of this was. We've got some indication that it affected surrounding villages and cities, but we don't really know yet because they haven't been thoroughly tested. And we'd like to do the same thing we did at Tel Alam at these other sites. Uh, Jericho, for example, uh, there's a site to the north called Tel Nimrine that's about 10 kilometers north. Jericho is about 25 kilometers or 20 kilometers to the, uh, uh, to the west. So those are the two major uh, – and then I'd be curious to know if archaeologists would embark on a – on a uh, quest to see if there's any mention of this civilization, because it's multi-communities going offline. It's a civilization uh, that just goes offline overnight, effectively. And it'd be interesting to see if there was any any indication that, that this was recorded in any other literate culture at the time. Malcolm, would there have been any warning? We have about 30 seconds. If this happens again, is there warning? Not for a 50-meter object. We don't have the capability to do that. 150, yes. 50-meter, no. So it comes out of the night and you just disappear. That's what happened. That's pretty much what happens. Would the people have seen anything or they'd just be obliterated? Uh, anybody looking at it would be blinded by the uh, the burst itself. So they wouldn't have seen much for very long. And uh, and as far as the incoming, they would it would have been so quickly that they wouldn't have seen anything. Yes, it's called extreme disarticulation. Uh, Malcolm Lecomte who is now with the CometResearchGroup.org, David Livingston, Dr. Space of the Space Show. This is Hotel Mars, Episode N. This is CBS Eye on the World. I'm John Batch. 
You're listening to CBS Eye on the World with John Batchelor. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.